Sunday. This is the recording in progress. <laughs> I think you should do that before I start speaking next time. Thank you. So this is the Sunday evening meeting of San Francisco Insight. Um, we'll sit for about 30 minutes and then there'll be a talk and discussion. So uh, please begin by finding a good seated posture. Whether you're swimming at the south end or the Dolphin Club, please sit upright. Uh, and uh, of course you can stand if you wish or sit on a cushion or on a bench or in a chair, whatever is appropriate for you. And as you uh, sit upright, please adjust your posture in a way to refine it so that you're not holding any extra tension, tightness, that you can simply or easily relax. And please begin by being aware of your body sitting here now as you've established the posture. Again, if you're in a chair, it's helpful if your feet are flat on the ground. If you're on a bench or if you're on a cushion, it's helpful if you're on your sits bones as much as possible towards the front end of the cushion so that there's an uprightness that begins at the base of the spine and goes all the way through the back of the neck. And that's true whether you're on a cushion or on a chair. And as you sit upright, allow awareness to saturate your body. 
That means just feel or sense or be aware of your body by experiencing it sitting here. You don't have to tense up to do that. You don't have to get tight. It's already here, your body being alive. Just feel the simple, gentle sensations of however you experience your body sitting here, whether it's vibrating or pulsing or warm or cool, whether it feels solid or empty, or even if it's tight, and at this point, let it be tight. But be aware of the life that's sitting in your seat, breathing. And as you begin to relax here in the lived moment, in this moment of being alive and aware, see if you can release any holding to anything. Just be aware of the body and the aliveness that's here. And of course, to be aware of the living aliveness that's here means you might notice that you're thinking, you're having thoughts about what I'm saying or my suggestions, my guidance this evening. Or you may have some thoughts about the day and the weather if you're in San Francisco or the Bay Area. Or you may have some feelings about the weather. Some people phoned me today and were scared or nervous about what was happening. But whatever is here, be aware of it. You don't have to hold on to it. You can just be aware that there may be thoughts or feelings or emotions that are happening. And as you relax, and are aware. Not holding on to what's happening, but simply mindful of it. Whether it's the sensations of the body or the feelings of the heart or the ruminations of the mind. or the smells that may be arising, or the sounds, or the fact that you're hearing, or 
or whatever sights may happen, which sometimes happen even with eyes closed. Some of you may have eyes open and you can be aware of the colors, shapes, forms, all doing themselves. And as we stay mindful and aware, moment by moment of the life that's happening in our location. Also include the awareness itself that you're also not doing. Every experience is known because of awareness. Whatever the experience is, whether we like it or not, whether we want it or not, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant or neutral, all just magically appearing and disappearing, appearing and changing. And we're just here for the ride. We're just here to wake up to this moment, however it is, moment by moment by moment. And of course, if you ever get confused or lost, you could either be aware of being confused or being lost without having to change it. Or if it would help to be more centered, then come back to the body and the breath. Simply stay with that very simple meditation of the body breathing. Follow your own guidance as you sit this evening.
looking to see, I don't see Miru. Are you hear Miru? No Miru. Okay, Miru had announcements in Donna tonight. Um, so how about this? Would anybody, uh, any of you like to give the Donna talk? We used to do this many years ago. We haven't done it for a while. The board's been wanting Oh, there's Miru. Hi, Miru. Hi, sorry I'm late. Uh, I That's okay. I'm glad you're here. So I heard you had announcements in Donna tonight. Yes, I do. Okay. Hi, everyone. Um, thank you for joining us today. Um, and Donna is a, is a tradition that's been very, um, that's been narrated for a long time in the Buddhist uh, meditation hist uh, history. And the fact that you're here is also Dana as a participation in, in the meditation and also the talk. And then also the way I'm also talking about Dana is also Dana too. Uh, it means generosity. And it also means that participation in however you want to support this community that we are all contributing to, uh, to sustain and maintain and prosper. So um, if you feel like volunteering for any other way, you can volunteer for giving a Donna talk um, next time um, by um, through the, the email addresses that we're gonna share in the chat. Or if you are feeling like, if you feel like contributing to this ISF Insight um, in a monetary way, then you can also donate um, for SF Insight as well. We're gonna share the link in the chat as well. And uh, also if you have other ideas that you want to volunteer for um, to contribute for our community, that's also Donna too. So if, don't, please don't feel that it's a difficult thing, any small act um, that you, uh, of your intention to contribute to SF Insight is a Donna. And please join us in however way you can um, join us. Thank you. Great, thank you, Miru. Nina. Thank you. I just wanted to make a couple announcements. Um, just to uh, encourage you all to check out our new website if you haven't done that yet. Uh, it's really beautiful. And listed on the website, you'll see information about some upcoming classes. So Pam Weiss has a class on the four elements, uh, which will be, I think it's five Wednesdays beginning November 10th and missing the Wednesday right before Thanksgiving. But it's, it's clearly laid out on the website if I, uh, if I haven't said that accurately. And then in January, we'll be offering again, a nine month course uh, called Investigating White Identity Through the Dharma um, and information. Um, let's see, the dates have not quite been set yet, but there is a link if you're interested to email uh, us your name and then we'll let you know as soon as the dates are set. Thank you. Thank you, Nina. So um, if sometimes you get an email that says what the talk's going to be uh, this week, we didn't get the, I didn't get the information of Michelle about what the talk was, partly because I didn't know what the talk was, and uh, I forgot 
And, um, and I looked Friday and I saw that the email had gone out and I was like, wow, why is she sending it out so early? Because I thought it was still Thursday. So I was a little uh, confused. But what happened was, and I did have an idea about the talk I wanted to give, but I went to sleep Friday night and I woke up Saturday morning and I had a Dharma dream. So the talk's going to be a little bit about um, what I dreamed about, but uh, well, the topic anyways. But first, let me start with what happened last week. Pam Weiss was here last week and I asked Pam what she taught about. And she said one of the things she talked about, talked about was the five skandhas, also known as the five aggregates, and about the dismantling or letting go or relaxing the self-identity. And so I was really interested in that because of my dream. And so I looked at the Heart Sutra and the Heart Sutra, which is one of the most famous texts in Zen. It begins, it says, uh, Avalokitesvara entered into meditation and coursing in perfect wisdom, observed that all five aggregates are empty of self-nature. And aggregates are the skandhas, are aggregates. So Avalokiteshvara, entering in meditation and coursing in perfect wisdom, observed that all five aggregates are empty of self-nature. Arising from their meditation, they said, the nature of form is empty. The nature of emptiness is form. Form is not different, <coughs> excuse me, from emptiness. Emptiness is not different from form. <clears throat> that which is form is empty. That which is emptiness is form. Feelings, perceptions, mental formations, and consciousness are also like this. And so those are the five aggregates, form, feeling, perception, formations, consciousness, and they're all empty. And so, and the usual, and it's one of the templates that the Buddha used to identify how we usually identify our usual sense of self or the familiar sense of self is through the, um, the body and the feelings that we have and the perceptions we have, the experiences we have, what we think and feel emotionally and consciousness itself. We all identify, oh, that's me. Right. And so, but the Buddha, Avalokiteshvara, sees that it's all empty. It's all actually empty of self. And one of the discourses in the connected discourses from the Buddha said when those discourses spoken by the Buddha are uh, that are deep, deep in meaning, dealing with emptiness, are being recited. We will be eager to listen to them. We'll lend an ear to them. We'll apply our minds and hearts to understand them. And so this is his encouragement to pay attention when there are teachings of emptiness, which is one of the more often unfamiliar teachings that, or, or one of the teachings people don't understand so quickly. 
like everybody understands at some level, you know, if you're holding on to something and you let go of it, you're going to feel better, right? If you're holding on to your pain and you relax and it goes away, you feel better. Or if you're aware of things, then you get to make choices about how you want to respond to them. If you're not aware, you're going to act habitually. You're going to act automatically. You're not going to act skillfully or wisely. And so people like Buddhism because it's very commonsensical, but emptiness is not so easy. So I thought I would talk about emptiness because of my dream and about the role of emptiness. And the word that is translated as emptiness is shunyata, shunyata. And it's really a central teaching in all of Buddhism. And the word shunyata or emptiness has its original etymological meaning is a pregnant, a pregnant void, the hollow of a pregnant womb. And I love that that etymology comes from birth. And, and I love it because everything comes from emptiness, including us. And it's all empty and it's all here at the same time. And it's part of the paradox. And really, if you think about really, where did you come from? And I mean, most of you, most of us know where our bodies came from like somebody birthed their bodies. That's, you know, mom or whoever, whoever it was for you was birthed your body. That's how the body comes. But where does consciousness come from? And where do all the, all of it, where does the whole um, phenomena of being aware come from? In the dictionary, empty means, uh, I looked up empty and emptiness said the state of containing nothing, the state of containing no thing. And then the, the little sentence they used is the vast emptiness of space. And it's a really beautiful metaphor for emptiness is often space. And because part of what, when we start to relax, and release and not hold on to things, something opens up in our hearts and mind and it's space and it's the space to be and to be who and what we are or the truth of who and what we are, the depth of who or what we are. Not just the idea of who and what we are or not just what we've been told we are, And so please reflect for yourself about what's your own entry point to emptiness. Where do you start to experience emptiness or spaciousness of heart and mind? When does that happen for you? And of course, I'll give you a little hint, meaning for many people, it's in nature. It really happens when we get outside of our usual world and we see, oh, we're part of this phantasmagorical reality that all just comes alive by itself. The trees and the, the flowers and the corn and the grass and the, you know, whatever it is. 
it's all just happening on its own, coming from nowhere. Just kind of wandering around the universe magically. So in some ways, I'm saying all experience comes out of emptiness, right? It's unique, it's spacious, it's happening on its own. It's magical and it all belongs. It's all here. It's part of reality. And again, it's a reality that's not static, not fixed, not stagnant. It's all magical on some level or mysterious. And when I think about my own doorway to emptiness, it's really the three characteristics have had a profound effect on me, you know, in my life and practice for the last 40 years now, something like that. That uh, anicca dukkha nata, impermanence, suffering, not self, are the three characteristics. And especially anicca, everything is impermanent. Everything is arising and passing. Everything is coming and going. Everything appears and stays for a moment or a while and then disappears like we will, like we are, right? Remember the meditation that happened 10 minutes ago or however long ago it was? It's gone. And it was, it's very real when it happens and very beautiful, very good. But it's like all of reality, it's just appearing and disappearing, appearing and disappearing. Like even my hand opening and closing, right? It's just happening on its own. Even now I've got a little input here with the hand, but I mean, it's, but I won't always really, and you know, you watch if you have any body dukkha, right? I mean, sometimes the body doesn't work right. And even though we know how to use it, what to do, it's not doing the same thing that it used to do. But the arising and passing of everything is, of course, traditionally, you're always asked in Buddhist teachings, you know, where is everything that happened earlier today? Where is it now? Right? In, in addition to in our memory, where is it? It's all gone, or yesterday, or last week, or last year. And it's not a bad thing that everything is impermanent. It's just the truth of the way things are. And that truth leads to freedom. And the Buddha said it many times, if you just realize the truth of impermanence, you will be free. And it's not easy. We all forget. We all don't come into alignment with it and just really know, oh, it's all just doing itself, coming and going, happening, whether we like it or not, want it or not. But when we come into harmony with that truth, with the truth of anicca, we can relax. We can let go, we can release our holding. 
from Stephen Batchelor. He said, in the cessation of craving, of holding on, in the cessation of craving, we touch that dimension of experience that is timeless. The playful, unimpeded contingency of things emerging from conditions only to become conditions for something else. So there's so much dharma right there, right? In the cessation as we relax and we touch that dimension of experience that is timeless, meaning open, free, empty, easy, right? He says the playful unimpeded contingency of things emerging from conditions, right? There's all the causes and conditions and a moment happens. And then he says, and then these new, this new moment becomes the conditions for something else, right? He said, and he, so he says it this way, the playful unimpeded contingency of things emerging from conditions only become conditions for something else. This is emptiness. This is emptiness, not a cosmic vacuum, but the unborn, undying, infinitely creative dimension of life. The unborn, undying, infinitely creative dimension of life. It is known as the womb of awakening. And then I'm repeating what Mark Epstein said earlier, right? The etymology of emptiness, right? It is known as the womb of awakening. It is the clear, the clearing in the still center of becoming. And it really, it's the clearing in the center of each moment of life. When we're right here and we're not having to go anywhere except here, there's a clearing here in the center of ourselves. It's in Zen, they often, they always used to talk about pay attention to the one, even when you're busy, pay attention to the one who is not busy while you're doing something. Right in the middle of it, good Anna Marie, you're getting it. <laughs> but it's really, it's really, it's amazing. It's right here, the still center, in the in the in the still the clearing in the still center of becoming, which is right here, the track on which the centered person moves, says Stephen Batchelor, and it whispers, realize me. Realize me. Realize the center, the essence, the goodness, the nature of who and what you are. That's right here already. It's not something you have to create. It's something we learn to realize through practice. That our identity itself is empty, which doesn't mean you don't exist, <laughs> right? Like Eugene is, is empty, but he gives a good talk sometimes, you know, right? But, and, and really it's just, it's just watching the sense of self arise and let go and relax and release the identity is so freeing. And that's what happened in my dream. I had a dream about emptiness and really the dream was about letting go of Eugene. And it was, but it was also clearly about emptiness. Like I woke up and I was like, whoa, emptiness. And I went right to my computer. I wrote the dream down, which I do rarely, but this was like 
clearly some kind of important dream for Eugene. And, and it was just like, and then it was like, okay, I'm going to talk about emptiness tomorrow because that's all I wanted to think about was what is emptiness? Because that was the message in the dream. And, you know, in different cultures and different times and places, sometimes people used to say, oh, the gods come and talk to us in dreams or the ancestors come and talk to us in dreams. So whoever came and talked to me, whether it was God or the ancestors or the Buddha, or whoever it was, it caught my attention yesterday morning and it was about emptiness. And I saw a great quote from my friend Kitty Sorrow. I think most of you know Tanisha and Kitty Sorrow, our old friends, and who we've known for many years, who've taught here, and who, um, I, when I met them, they were living in South Africa. And Pam and I went to their hermitage and taught in there in, at Dharmagiri many years ago. And, and as a group, we helped support their good work in South Africa, especially during the AIDS epidemic, uh, which was happening at that time. And um, Kitty Sarah said this about, he said, sometimes when I'm struggling and worrying, I look at the mountain that cradles Dharmagiri. And Dharmagiri sits at the foot of this big mountain that we climbed up a few times when I was there. He said, I look at the mountain that cradles Dharmagiri and consider its 220 million year old presence. I consider its 220 year old, 22 million, 220 million year old presence. In the last few years, everything I've worried, in a, in a few years, everything I've worried about won't matter. In a few years, everything I've worried about won't matter. All the concerns about building a hermitage or promoting outreach programs, the reactions of others, the tides of likes and dislike, it will all dissolve back into the great void. It's another way emptiness is talked about as the great void. Even the mountains and this great earth will one day disappear to attune one's life day by day to the fundamental emptiness of reality is to hone an inner practice of letting go. It's really a great line. To attune one's life day by day to the fundamental emptiness of reality is to hone an inner practice of letting go, acting and letting go, doing what needs to be done, and once again, putting down the stress that comes from the clinging heart and mind. And so he's pointing at the emptiness of reality that he gets in touch with by looking up and or reflecting. I don't know if he's even looking up, um, right? Yeah, I look at the mountain. Uh, but he, a lot of time he lives in Northern California now. So sometimes he might just think about Dharmagiri and the mountain, right? And so there's a paradox here or a mystery that this emptiness is part of reality, that it's all empty and everything is here at the same time. And that we ourselves are here and empty. 
And as we start to relax with this spaciousness of heart and mind, we can begin to release our clinging, clinging and then we can start to relish the goodness of who and what we are, the blessings of who and what we are. And it's a nice little three-part quote from me. I like, the, I like to think of practice as relax, release, relish. And of course, famous quote from the Buddha who said, luminous is this mind, heart, brightly shining, but it is colored by the attachments, the clinging that visit it. This unlearned person, people do not really understand, so they do not cultivate this heart and mind. Luminous, luminous is this heart and mind, brightly shining, and it is free from the attachments that visit it. This the noble follower of the way truly understands. For them, this is, there is cultivation of this heart and mind that knows how to relax, release, and relish this moment, just this moment. Just, it's that simple. It's not, every, you don't have to relish everything, just the moment of being aware, awake, alive here. And the fullness of emptiness is right here, right? And then the whole human experience is not negated by emptiness, but is magnified by emptiness. The beauty of, of aliveness itself, of conscious knowing, of awareness. One of my other kind of old favorite teachers is Trungpa Rinpoche. He said, the shunyata emptiness experience, the shunyata experience corresponds to the level of the bodhisattva. Bodhisattvas are Buddhists who live um, to awaken with everyone. They're not, they're not just trying to wake, get awake themselves. They, they want to support the awakening of everybody. Right? It's a beautiful part of practice that you can all take on. Really simple. All you have to do is wish for the, may my, my actions be a benefit to all beings. May, may my actions, may my life serve to awaken all beings. It's really an, a beautiful intention of how we orient our heart and mind while we live this magical and mysterious life. He says, the shunyata experience corresponds to the level of the bodhisattva. But the shunyata experience is, in a sense, incomplete from the point of view of the next stage, which is the experience of luminosity. Or he's got the word here is uh, prabhasavara, which I'm not sure what, I'm, I'm not familiar with that word. So I like luminosity, right? Right. Uh, uh, luminosity is the ultimate positive experience. Shunyata is like the sky, that space of the sky being there. It becomes possible for the cosmic functions to take place within it. In the same way, within the space of shunyata, of openness, spaciousness, freedom, it becomes possible for students to begin to deal with the actual experience of non-duality. That is a way of acknowledging the Buddha nature that exists within one. 
And it's something people don't have a hard time with. Like people don't usually go around and go to the supermarket and they and somebody says, who are you? And you say, oh, I'm Buddha nature. You know, it doesn't, I mean, something you could try it. It might be really interesting that Amy's going to do it. <laughs> there, Ali too. Yeah, no, it's, you know, because, and of course, the person you're talking to may not know their own Buddha nature, but it's right there also. That's where the, that's the magic of the emptiness. It's all, the luminosity is in all consciousness. Whether it's known or not, the trick, the skillful means is to be able to recognize one's own luminosity and to see that as part of our Buddha nature. And the goodness that comes with emptiness is love and care. It's part of the Bodhisattva path. My friend Joseph Goldstein who I hope to see soon. I'm going back east. I'm going to be gone for a number of weeks to sit for myself for uh, almost a month. And, uh, and I hope to see Joseph and get to say hello to him before I become silent. But uh, Joseph said, the expression of emptiness is love. The expression of emptiness is love because emptiness means emptiness of self. When there is no self, there is no other. That duality is created by the idea of self, of I, of ego. When there's no self, there's a unity, a communion. And without the thought of I'm loving someone, love becomes a natural expression of that oneness. It's a beautiful, beautiful understanding from Joseph. I'll give you one. Oh, yeah, I've got a lot of stuff here. Where are we? Oh, yeah, seven. Hmm. I think I'm going to end with something from my friend Jeff Cornfield. Hmm. Yeah. Um, this is Jack talking about emptiness. He said, this is an old story. Uh, an emperor of China asked a renowned Buddhist master if it would be possible to illustrate the nature of self in a visible way, right? To illustrate the nature of self in a visible way. In response, the master had a 16-sided room appointed with floor-to-ceiling mirrors that faced one another exactly. So it's like if we could do if we could do Zoom in a circle, there were 16 boxes that faced each other perfectly. Only he had mirrors, right? Floor-to-ceiling mirrors, and in the center of those you know, floor to ceiling mirrors that faced one another exactly. He hung a candle that was lit. And when the emperor entered the room, he could see the individual candle flame in thousands of forms, each of the mirrors extending it far into the distance because they're all reflecting each other and they're reflecting each other, reflecting each other, right, with the light. And then the master, the teacher, replaced the candle with a small crystal. I don't think I have a crystal here. 
have had crystals, but not now. Um, when the master point, uh, right, he, right, so he replaced the candle with a crystal. The emperor could see the small crystal reflected again in every direction. When the master pointed closely to the crystal, the emperor could see that the whole room of a thousand crystals reflected in each tiny facet of the crystal itself, right? This is where it gets deeper, right? Because it's not just, oh, it's the, the candles reflected in everything. It's the, the crystals reflected in everything and everything is reflected in the crystal. Right in every in each tiny facet of the crystal in the center, the master showed how the smallest particle contains the whole universe. How the smallest particle, the little crystal, contained everything. Right, the whole universe. True emptiness is not empty, but contains all things. The mysterious and pregnant void right, that, that womb of awakening we spoke about, the mysterious and pregnant void creates and reflects all possibilities. From it arises our individuality, which can be discovered and developed, but never possessed or fixed. The self is held in no self, as the cam candle flame is held in great emptiness. So those are a few thoughts tonight about emptiness, which is, of course, all of it's totally empty, everything I said, and totally here. So of course, I love to hear from you, your thoughts, any questions, comments, liking, not liking, opinions, whatever you'd like to say. I love to hear from people who've never spoken. I like to hear from people who have spoken, but I always like to encourage the people, you know, the people who are, it's easy for, they always go first. You know, it's really nice if some of you, even if you don't show your face, but only have your name, whether it's Rose's iPhone or Isabel or Linda Ray or Laura or Linda or Anne, or Maggie Chesney, if you, any of you even, you know, you want to talk to, or Jean, who's got a picture of the South End or the Dolphin Club, I can't tell which one, or anybody else, please raise your hand, at least uh, on the reactions button on this screen, uh, there's a raise, if you click it, there's a raise hand button. There we go, Nancy. Hey, Nancy, please unmute yourself. Hi. Hi. I'm gonna. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna uh, make you, you speaker so I can see you. Can Great. you hear me? Okay. I can hear you and see you. Cool. <laughs> um, well, uh, thank you for the talk, but it's a tough one for me. Um, what what's tough about it? Well, because everything is empty. What? Well, why should I wake up tomorrow? I mean, <laughs> and and um, you know, I'm trying to be purposeful in my life, and 
Yeah, you know, I just have have had some great client experiences lately, and got a wonderful note from my client, and um, it's great. I felt like, wow, I really, you know, changed his world, and I, we haven't worked together for two or three years, and he wrote me about how I impacted him and his recent grieving, and um, it was so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's but beautiful. what? That's empty. What? what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> em- empty doesn't mean nothing. Right. Empty. Yes. Em- so that's where, like, it's everything and nothing. And well, well, no, that's the point. It's an important point you bring up that I had in the talk, and I cut it out because I've been talking. But I'll I'll read you a little more of what I have. Uh, let's see if this is it. Here, the concept of emptiness in Buddhism refers to insights and realizations important to the Buddhist path of freedom. Excuse me, as an insight, it refers seeing that all things are empty of permanent existence. Okay. Right? In terms of inherent substance. It is an insight that everything arises based on prior causes and conditions. So you did something beautiful, good work with this guy, and something mm-hmm. beautiful mm-hmm. came out of it. And that's that's called good, in my opinion. That does empty doesn't mean there's nothing here. Right. But it means there's nothing permanent here. Right. In a fixed way. Right. Right. Um, yeah. It's easier to think about when you talk about the um, the clinging right. and so the attachment. Let me, <laughs> let, let me finish what was said. This is from some friends of mine. Uh, Gil, Sally, and Guy did some teaching about emptiness a few years ago. And they said, um, the insight reveals that within human experience, there is no abiding or fixed core that could be called self. And all the phenomena of our sense experience has a quality of insubstantiality or transparency. This insight reveals there is nothing that it makes sense to cling to. The highest form of emptiness is just a mind free of clinging. It's free of attachment. It's free of holding on. It doesn't say it's free of enjoyment. You get to enjoy, appreciate, delight, take pleasure in what's good. Um, but what if it's bad? So then you you recognize it and you accept it and you let it, you know, that's the harder things to let go. Yeah, well, if, if there's stuff that's bad, then you want to respond skillfully, kindly with your heart. Just like you did with the person you work with, you want to respond to yourself like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Great. Yeah, it's not so far away. You already know something about it, right? Because your goodness, where did it come from? I mean, I know you you have some participation, but if I think about all the things that have created Eugene, most of them are outside of me. Right, like my parents. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that. That was their business. Right. And, and just and just so many of the things that opened my heart and mind 
often first came from outside. And then me being willing to be there with it, aware of it, open to it, things unfolded. Right. Okay. okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Brad S. Hi, everybody. I'm Brad, and uh, nice to meet you all. I've never been to Insight before, um, so I'm really very stoked to be here tonight. It's mm -hmm. nice. I haven't been to a Dharma talk in a long time, and um, do, you know what your, do you know what your shirt says? Yes. Man, oh. monster, bad. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. It's yes. a good way to introduce yourself. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, I, I can't read backwards, so I did, didn't occur to me. Um, <laughs> Well, um, I was just really touched that the first thing you you know you started to talk about was the Heart Sutra, and that just uh, that that was such a common part of my Dharma experience for a long time. And so mm -hmm. hearing it with a slightly different translation also um, mm -hmm. is very interesting to me, and uh, it it almost brought tears to my eyes just hearing it. And um, uh, so I'm assuming you were practicing in the Zen tradition. Yeah, afraid yeah. so. Yeah. No, no, I love I love Zen. Zen, well, Zen is know, good. No, it, it it's all wonderful for me. Um, but I'm just uh, really, it's just nice to be here. I've been considering attending a Dharma talk for years um, outside of that that scene, and Zoom has made it such a wonderful easy way um yeah to be with people and um it's allowed me actually i've been doing a lot of zoom for a while and it's made me very comfortable mm. it's also very interesting talking about looking at a crystal you know looking at yourself mm -hmm. while you're talking is um uh, well for me it's very distracting but it's also fascinating mm. and uh anyway so i just wanted to thank you Sure. Well, glad you're here, and I like your T-shirt, and uh, <laughs> and it's you know because it's all empty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well, come come again, please. David. Hi. Um, uh, well, first, thank you. This has been really helpful for me in understanding some of the different ways of understanding emptiness. When I, for a long time, when I thought about it, I thought, well, they can't mean that there, that nothing exists. It must be that right. That the point the point must be that the real nature of reality is so different than what we think it is that they're these teachers, they're not going to say anything about it. They're just going to say, it's, it's not, it's empty. There's nothing there. But you, as you've been saying, that's not what they mean. And it, it actually started with the dictionary definition that you read saying, some, I don't remember the words, but it was something about a, a, a thing that has no contents. Okay, well. Let me, let me see what I said. I'm going to say dictionary emptiness, the state of containing nothing. 
Right. The state of containing nothing. That means there is something that could contain something, but doesn't. Uh, well, there's a state, right? And at least in my way, I think about it is our consciousness is like a state. The state, and I'm not using it technically as an aggregate. I'm using it more in the sense of like awareness. There's the state of awareness, right? And it's empty. But that, and, uh, but I also like the, I think it was the, the Chogyam Chukha quote about the, when you have an empty sky, that means there's space for, space for something. Yeah. And that yeah, the idea. Yeah. yeah. No, it's true. When you have an empty heart and mind, it's open to anything. And Trungpa lived a very, do you know about Trungpa? Some, yeah. Yeah, so he, he went through a very hard life as a young man, you know, having to flee Tibet and walk over the mountains to get free because of the Chinese invasion. And he, he you know, he had a very open mind, maybe even you could say too open. <laughs> he, he had some problems still. He was, you know, he was an alcoholic and that's not so helpful, but... But he'd gone through a lot of trauma, but he still helped many, 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 many people come to the Dharma and wake up. And it seems like one, one other thing to say is that when, when the teaching says that all these things, skandhas or whatever, are empty, it means that, they're, that we, we, you know, uh, we mistakenly think they contain something and they don't. They don't contain what we think they contain. Isn't that the idea? Well, partly, I remember, empty just means there's nothing inherently permanent Hmm. in form, feeling, perception, formations, consciousness, right? They're, They're here. It's all here. And it's all not permanent. Oh, so 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 it's the it's just I, this is identical with the teaching of impermanence. I need chat. To to me, it's that's the that's the doorway that works for me. So you're probably hearing that flavor because I'm the one who's teaching tonight. Uh-huh. There was something else I was going to ask, but but this is really good. I, I can stop there. Thank you. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, Amy. I think for me this week, emptiness meant empty of fear. And it it touched me when you just said that nothing it makes sense to cling to. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to be mindful to, to stay in front, especially in my sitting, when fear comes up, to just stay there. And then I never stay there. I have, where, do you, where do you go? Um, I go. I mean, I either, either decide that, okay, I've seen it. It's good enough. Uh-huh. 
uh, I stop or I go off, you know, I go off, I spin. Uh -huh. um, so you don't like fear would be my guess. Be my guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, I think I fooled myself that I think I've stayed in front of it. But I, I don't, I don't really, really yeah. stay there. Right. Well, don't don't stay there. Yeah. <laughs> but but relax around it and get curious about it. In one of the people who I like very much is uh, Saira Utejania, and he's always like, "Oh, get interested in it. Get curious about it. Not and it doesn't mean think about it, but get closer to the." to the felt sense of it, to the liveness that's in fear. Very normal animal instinct that we all have. And we're all afraid of fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the double arrow. Yeah. As I was washing dishes tonight, you know, in a circle, um, and I wasn't, inquiring, I wasn't making any sort of effort, but there was just a moment when I felt empty of fear, like help came, I didn't, it was magical, help came. I had mm -hmm. asked for it at that, that moment, but yeah, just in that moment, there's just fear doesn't exist in the present moment. Right, you know, and that's really past. great to see. Now that's really important what you're saying because it's actually, there are many moments when it doesn't exist. We focus when it does exist, but we want to pay attention to every moment of life because mm -hmm. some moments there's no fear and enjoy, mm -hmm. right? You get to relish the moments when there are no fear and see what happens as you relax with all of that. That's why I love that sentence. Nothing to, worth clinging to. Just nothing worth clinging to. <laughs> Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Okay. Stephanie, are you up? Okay. Um, I just wanted to say that I am completely in agreement with you that the doorway for me into emptiness is the three characteristics. That uh, because everything is impermanent, it by its very nature, it's always changing and cannot therefore provide us with any kind of long-term satisfaction or security. So there's the dukkha, because everything arises out of causes and conditions, and then the thing that has just arisen then becomes part of the causes and conditions for the next thing to arise, they're all empty. You're going to teach us next time. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're being very accurate. It's true. 
And yeah, so how does it impact you when you understand that, when you're in harmony with that? That's the thing, that chant about uh, all things <clears throat> are impermanent, they arise and they pass away. Okay. To be in harmony with this truth brings great happiness. Yeah. Um, if, if I am in a situation where I'm upset about something or feeling fearful or something is not going the way my little fixed self would like it to, mm -hmm. I just remember all things are impermanent. It's going to go away, including yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Can be very relaxing to remember that even as we continue acting as we need to. It's one of the things that I like somewhere. One of the things I said oh, from Kitty Sarah, right? You, you let go and you act. I'm find whatever Kitty Sarah says. Where are you, Kitty? Oh, I wanted to ask you a question. You sure. were, you said something unborn, undying, infinitely something else. I missed the last part of that because I felt yeah. that was really, unborn, really important. Undying. Infinitely. Let's see. Too many papers here. Um, <laughs> I'm looking for wait, right? Yeah, I don't see that. I'm just not sure where I said it or where it was. It was just before the still center of becoming the womb of awakening. Uh, okay, oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah. That's from Stephen Batchelor. This is emptiness, not a cosmic vacuum, but the unborn, undying, infinitely creative dimension of life. Beautiful. It is known as the womb of awakening. Yeah. 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 No, beautiful. Stephen's Oops. really good that way. I'm glad we could find it. Okay. I'm going to keep moving because there's a few more hands. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Karen and Francisco, who's up? Uh, actually, both of us. Francisco, ask your question. Uh, what, what, what book uh, 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 Bachelor mentions uh, emptiness? I don't know. I you just don't know? Have, I have the quote. Okay. Uh, okay. You, you could see, it could be from this one. It could be from verses from the center. Okay. Right? okay. Could be that. Okay. Yeah. We can look it up too, maybe. Could, yeah, you could look up the quote. 
Okay. Okay. So thank great. you. You're welcome. So I want to thank Stephanie for asking you that because I missed that part of the quote that, that you brought in. So thank you. But um, well, first of all, I just want to thank you for the talk because it did bring me closer to an understanding of emptiness, which as you rightly said, is hard for some people like me to grasp. For, for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think part of it is the, the language of what, at least in this country, what emptiness means and that in some cases it has a negative connotation right um so yeah so when so there's a part of my mind that just kind of um opens up and wakes up when i get closer to that idea and i'm aware that uh that i just i it may it, i guess it's habitual but to me, but things feel permanent. Like my sense of self feels like a permanent solid thing and not just objects like the table, but a lot of things, ideas and, and um, principles and those kind of things. Um, so even though I understand, I, the impermanence part is like an easy gateway for me to a lot of this. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm just aware that while I am holding the idea of emptiness and change and causes and conditions, there is another part of me that just assumes that everything, or not everything, but I and, and Francisco and you are inherently solid and permanent in a way. Like a solid, <laughs> there you go. I am not, I am not permanent. <laughs> but, and just, the, and just the, the personality, I guess, or the, again, the sense of self, like, right. you know, who I yeah. am essentially. Yeah, well, there's the difference between being here essentially and being here permanently. Yeah. But Eugene, may I? No. No, <laughs> come on. Of course, you have to It is beautiful. <laughs> Emptiness is beautiful That's because, right. yeah, it's it's it, we are part of that oneness. Yeah, we no, it's beautiful. Of that oneness. Talk that, to your husband. Undeniable, <laughs> undeniable oneness. Yeah, we, we belong to. We belong. To that right. oneness. Yeah, no, I mean, I was trying to find a book yesterday that I couldn't find that Thich Nhat Hanh writes about uh, emptiness and uh, right. and, the, and and as a doorway to interconnectivity, right? That we're all connected. Yeah, and it's part of what you're you're speaking to now, which is great. Yeah, it's dynamic. It's dynamic. Is it's always rolling. Always yeah. rolling. Because if a man, I, I don't know if you have if you have this time, but if a man says, "Okay, I don't want I don't want to live in the, in the city. I want to go to an island, and I don't want to depend on anybody. I'm gonna bring with me uh, uh, corn seeds, uh, 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 beans, bean seed, and I'm gonna plant it there in an island. And I don't uh -huh. need anybody. I don't need anybody." Uh -huh. does, does he gonna exist? Is he gonna live? I don't no. know. First, he needs the earth. He, well, he needs the earth. Yeah, he needs yeah. the rain. He needs yeah. the sun. Yeah. 
So you're, you're pointing at something really beautiful, Francisco, which is our interconnectedness is beyond people. It's with the world, it's with all of reality. We are nature, you know, you're nature. pointing to the nature. So, yeah. So I'm gonna keep going because one more hand and we're almost out so of much. time. Thank you. Okay, happy. Please unmute yourself, happy. Hi. Yes. Hi, Dean. Um, Hi. Oh, I'm wearing a mask because I'm visiting my mom and she's 50. So I wanted to be careful. But okay. Um, okay. my question is that I notice that I have a lot of clinging to like relationships in the past that are going well. So I feel a lot of sadness like, oh, we used to be so great friends or why is it that it's gone? And I think I have a lot of clingings and I think I started to do things to like, I don't know, keep people around or like try to fix relationships. And just, it's just kind of weird. So I feel like if the talk has- Well, 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 well wait, it's not weird. Oh, okay. I mean, it's very normal that we uh, sometimes we uh, have friendships or relationships uh, that are close and they change and we miss them yeah. and we grieve them. Mm -hmm. And you just want to be aware of it. You don't want to judge it. Yeah, I guess I noticed that I'm like, you know what, maybe I should just let it go because well, things are just at a point where maybe one of both party were like, okay, this is not working. But then, but then I just noticed I couldn't really let it go. I'm still clinging to some kind of repair and things getting better. Right. So I would, I, I wonder if maybe that it's clinging to you that mm -hmm. even when you want to let go of it, you can't let go of it. Like what do you mean part, clinging well, to me? well, what I mean is like, okay, if I've had a, a friendship with somebody, right? I've had a good friendship with someone and I miss them and I wish, you know, we were still friends. And, and then I realized, well, we're not friends anymore. So let go of it. So I want to let go of it cognitively. I think, okay, I'm going to let go of it, but I can't let go because yeah. it's clinging to me. Uh... Meaning it's, it's I'm confected to it on a deeper level than the rational. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and so you wanna be aware of that and not judge it. You're not doing it, it's doing you. Oh, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I see, I see in like, I'm judging that I'm still clinging to it. Right, in fact, you can't stop clinging to it. Oh, okay. So you can be accept, mm -hmm. you can be aware and you can accept it and relax around it. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, that's cool. Okay, great. So, okay, <laughs> it, it, so it, accept it, that. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It's cool. It's a paradox of practice. We can't stop everything, but we can relax with it, mm. and then it has an easier, it let go, it lets go of us at some point. Mm, beautiful. Thank you very much. This okay, is thank you. <laughs> happy. I keep feeling like you should put, your sign should just say happy on your mask. 
<laughs> okay. So we'll do a little sharing of merit before we end, everybody. I'm going to go back to gallery view. Yeah, and appreciating our time together. It's always good to see everybody. I always want to say everybody's name, whose name I hasn't said, like Mark or Jason or Cindy or Anna Maria or whoever, Eric. Or, you know, it's just good to be with you all. Uh, I think I'm here again next week. I should check, but I'm not going to check. We'll see. But I think I'm here. Anyhow, appreciating our good fortune that we can spend the time to practice together, to be a sangha together, to discover emptiness together. And may our good fortune go out in every direction, touch beings in every realm. May all beings be happy and peaceful. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings realize the emptiness of reality that allows them to relax, and release and relish this moment to wake up to the goodness of what's here. May all beings be free. Okay, everybody, it's time to wave if you want, you don't have to. Thank you, Eugene. Hi, everybody. Like Thanks, Alex. Great. Thank you. <laughs>